Obviously, but at the same time, just seeing the steps we took in the right direction in so many different areas, it was just kind of taping it up and going out there and seeing what we can do. And to get a win like that, sometimes that's all you need to, to get back on track. Don is razzle dazzling through his legs, crossing over, pulling back, hitting the shot. Honestly, I was just happy to be playing basketball. I was making the joke before the game, like I didn't give a damn if the ball went in or not. I was just happy just to be out there running around, guarding, thinking the game, like just having fun playing with my teammates. You know, on top of that, you know, making the right reads, finding things. Just happy to be playing again. Hand off to Fournier, stolen. Donovan's going the other way. Oh, Donovan Mitchell, windmill jam! For him to play every second of every minute of the game, you know, that's been what I've wanted to challenge him to do. And that means when you have the ball, when you don't have the ball, off the ball defensively, on the ball defensively, rebounding, running, he competed the whole game. Donovan driving, pool goes down, Donovan rises, hits! Oh, drop the yellow tape on the ground! I think it just all goes to the energy on the floor. Like that compounding effort, like continuing just to find ways to make winning plays, I mean, it's huge. It's not always about who scores and pass, like that's gonna come, but just finding ways to make winning plays and effort when we're really doing that, you know, we gotta continue to do it. We can't just say, oh, we got it now, like we figured it out. Like, you know, I think the biggest thing is, okay, we're doing it. This is what's gonna take the win every night and go from there. 97-87, Jazz bounce pass, Royce hand off Adoka. Oh, I want a triple shot of Doka Dunks! They come up to me, you know, they speak to me like, yeah, this is what you got to do in an understanding way. Sometimes when I'm a little down, maybe pick up two fouls or whatever. Lauren over there or Mike, you know, they come up to me and encourage me. That goes a long way for them to have that confidence in me, really make me do what I do, really make me go out there and fight for the team, really make me go out there and help out the team a lot. Donovan brings it back up top. They're switching everything. So now Donovan drives, steps back, tough three. Oh, put a heart on it! Competitiveness, our relentlessness, doesn't matter what the score is. We got to find ways to continue to execute, continue to do things on the defensive end. That's how you build those winning habits. And I can't say those were there earlier on in the year. And I think we're all holding each other accountable. We're all communicating to each other with that. And I think that's what's allowing us to take that step. And, um, you know, we got to continue to stay locked in with our principles on both ends of the floor. Welcome into the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. We are back after a two-week hiatus. I apologize. We've been off for a couple of weeks, but I was on vacation. I'm Jay Catch, and we are back here on the Zone Sports Network. Got my good friend Jeff producing behind the glass today. Jeff, how are you? Doing good. That's good. Hey, you, I think most people understand this. If they don't, produce the vast majority, if not all, Utah Jazz games. You are the Utah Jazz producer for the Zone what are you doing for the All-Star break? Most people have scattered to the hinterlands, but you're still here. Yeah, I mean, I had plans that got canceled. Okay. I'm not mad. I shouldn't be in Vegas right now. Okay. Um, but, no, I mean, I, I'm taking some time to relax because I do need to take a break because it is a, 
it's going to be a big final stretch. Um, mm-hmm. Not the week we come back, but I think the week after that, we have like five games in six days or five games in seven games. It's going to be insane. Um, but no, I'm still here, and I got stuff I can do next week as far as work goes and people I haven't seen in forever as far as personal life goes. So hang out mixed between getting some work in and just seeing some seeing some people I haven't talked to in a while. I talked right. to my sister. My his sister hit me up and she was like, I haven't talked to you in so long. I'm like, I'll talk to you during the All-Star break. There you go. That's, that's, the, that's the thing it is. I, people don't understand it. The NBA season is nuts and it's busy. And if you're working on those games, it, it takes a lot of time. So Thanks for hanging out, Jeff. Thank you to all of you for tuning in today. We have got plenty to cover ahead on today's show. But a quick reminder for you guys that the Saturday show is proudly presented by our friends at Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. All right, uh, kind of a roadmap of where we're going on today's show. NBA is at the All-Star break, as we just uh, talked about. So we're going to talk a little bit about the Utah Jazz and where they stand with now uh, 24 games remaining in their regular season. We'll also talk about the NBA All-Star weekend. We'll get to our regular staples of technical fouls. We'll get this from five minutes of. We've got two very special guests coming up on today's show as well. In our next segment, you'll hear from Sam Farnsworth, uh, KSL TV, one of their sportscasters over there. He has kind of been the point man covering all things from the Beijing games over there in Beijing, China. I'm uh, going to get his thoughts on this as the Olympics, the Winter Olympics, come to a close tomorrow. It seems like it's flown by, and uh, Sam will join us to kind of recap some of what he took away from it. We'll also be joined by Andy Bailey, works for Bleach Report, covering the NBA guy who's been a regular here on DJ and Peak. He's also on Hands and Scotty quite often. A guy I've gotten to know over the past five or six years. Great basketball mind. He's going to join us at 1130 to give us his insights on the NBA at the All-Star break, on the Utah Jazz, and a whole lot more. So we got plenty to cover ahead on today's show. And as we typically do, let's start it off with what's the big deal? Do you know who I am? No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. I'm very important. Uh, I have... Many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> Still a great open. I missed that over the last two weeks. But I, we start off each show with our biggest topics of the day. We're going to start today on the Utah Jazz. Uh, they completed a homestand 6-0, and and things looked like they were smooth sailing. Even, what, 42 minutes into that matchup down there in Los Angeles, and seemed like they were going to go 7-0 and going into the All-Star break. Things were looking up, and then suddenly in the final six minutes of that game, a lot of the demons that have been the Jazz issues all season long seemed to rear their ugly head and conspired to bring a loss. And the Jazz limping into the All-Star game in some ways with a loss in Los Angeles against the Lakers. And Jeff, as we mentioned, you cover the Utah Jazz. You're working on these games. Uh, that game... I think left a pretty sour taste in most Jazz fans' uh, mouths. The The issue, I think, is is it should you take more from the 6-0 and record at home leading up to that loss and also the fact that they played pretty well for 42 minutes, or is it just more of the same for the Jazz? You're saying, okay, that was all fool's gold, and that loss kind of showed the Jazz are still, still have a lot of work to do. I think an NBA season is a season of ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be one or the other. It doesn't have to be either 
the winning streak is a more accurate jazz or the loss to the Lakers is a more accurate jazz. Like, you, people have stumbling blocks. It was a very ugly loss. Um, I do think the Lakers were motivated by the injury to Anthony Davis. I'm not defending how the Jazz behaved mm-hmm. in that game, um, but I do think they played with a little bit more oomph. Um, and obviously, LeBron can he put the team on his back um, as he can do. Um, I think that I'm going to try to go optimistic here and okay. say that this loss was a good way to remind the Jazz that they are really good but to not get ahead of themselves. I think it was kind of a good way to kind of keep them level-headed and, you know, getting Donovan back, getting Rudy back. Uh, and they did have a lot of really great – I mean, they they beat good teams during those stretches. I mean, they beat the Nuggets and they beat the Warriors and, you know, they, they had some really – they destroyed the Rockets, which I know the Rockets aren't really a, a good team. But, yeah. you know, 78 points in the first half was a really, really nice feeling. Um, but – it's it's good to see them continue to just learn and grow and kind of like what they've been saying all year as long as this is something that allows them to be better at the end of the season when it matters most then we'll just have to wait and see if that's the case i think you've got a good point there and david Locke was on with dj and pk yesterday for his weekly visit with them and he said that even with the 24 games remaining, barring something really, really crazy happening, we kind of know where the Jazz are going to be and who they're going to face. He says it's either going to be the Mavericks or the Nuggets. He says well, those are the two teams. It seems like the Jazz are locked into play. Uh, the one thing he pointed out is that the Jazz still have to face the Mavericks three times in the final 24 games of this regular season. So they're going to get a really good look. If that's going to be a first-round matchup for the Jazz in the playoffs against Dallas, well, they're going to have a pretty good look at this new Dallas lineup that they revamped at the NBA trade uh, deadline. And that'll be an interesting part about all of this is how the Jazz round themselves into form. Quinn Snyder, and if you've listened to the post-game press conferences and Jeff and I have heard more than our fair share, it feels like, if not all of them. He's talked about the fact that the 70-game mark is kind of the the mark he wants to get to and then be able to say, okay, this is where we're at. So that means they have 12 games once they return from the All-Star break, and they will be back in action a week from yesterday, so next Friday night here at home against the Dallas Mavericks. It's actually a really big game out of the gate uh, coming off that break against Luka and the Mavs. But he talked about the fact that the 70-game mark is kind of where he is kind of pegged, where this is where we're going to know what we are as a team. I'm with you, Jeff. I I think this team has learned some things. Uh, Rudy being out during the vast majority of that six-game win streak, he was only back for the final game of that stretch. This team realized, okay, we can't just rely on Rudy. we got to figure things out on our own. And they started doing that. And also need to acknowledge that they were playing some lesser than teams in that stretch and also some teams who were shorthanded. But the Jazz were also shorthanded in their own, in their own right. I'm with you. I don't think it's necessarily fool's gold, that 6-0 record. But I think this team is still very much in the works. But we've talked about this often throughout the season. This team's not going to be judged by this regular season. They were the number one overall seed last year. We're looking now at what can they do once they get to the playoffs. And they need to be healthy once they get to the playoffs. That's the bigger thing. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this, but I look at the rest of the league, and to me, there are very few teams that are just way, way up. Like the the Suns. Like the Suns are top dogs, incredible almost every night. But a lot of these other top teams, they still have – their roadblocks that mm-hmm. they hit, you know, every, you know, every couple of games, every once in a while, 
And so I know it's not a good thing to compare to other teams, and I don't think the Jazz should be comparing to other teams, but as consumers and fans, I feel weird saying that word, um, but I feel like we can look at the rest of the league and say, hey, this is normal. Like, it's it's not normal to be a Suns team that has only lost, what, 10 games yeah. all year? Like, that is that is elite of elite, and that's that's pretty special. So I do think that expectations should still be high for the Jazz. I think they should still be pushing them. I absolutely don't think for a second that Quinn has ever taken his foot off the gas as far as pushing his team to be better and motivating them to continue to work. Um Again, I think having, even though we lost most of the games, having Donovan and Rudy out, I do think was really, really good for us because, like I said, it's making us learn how to do other things. And even when we have Rudy, being able to rely on other people, for example, what we you know have been able to learn from Hassan and from Doak is going to help us in the long run because even when Rudy's available, there maybe isn't as much pressure on him to do everything defensively all the time. Yeah, and that that's I think a very good point there. Um, one thing I should point out here, we're going to talk more about the uh, the NBA All Star game here momentarily. But Donovan Mitchell will not be at NBA All Star practice. He is missing it with a non COVID related illness. Interesting. So his status for the All Star game might be in question. Uh, but I'm with you. I, I think the biggest thing is looking now at the. Uh, at the NBA at the All-Star break, I think the tiers of teams, because you talked about the fact that like, you look at this, it's an ebb and flow all season long. The one team that has kind of avoided any downturn has been the Phoenix Suns, and they're going to be the number one seed. Like it, it is done deal. Like It's going to happen. They are very, very good, and they've avoided any significant losing streaks. I, I'm, PK's brought up the fact that he thinks that Chris Paul should be the favorite for the NBA MVP award. I, I think he's absolutely in the mix. But if you look at the rest of the tier of the NBA, the Warriors have surged back. There's no doubt about this. This Warriors team, uh, David Locke, I was more of the mindset with him going into the season that, okay, the Warriors have not been healthy in more than two years, fully healthy. What can they really do? They're an older team now. Well, Steph and company have gone out and proved it. They're the number two seed right now. The Memphis Grizzlies have surged up the rankings, not the rankings, the standings. They're sitting at 41 and 19 in the Jazz in the four spot right now at 36 and 22. I'll say it once, I'll say it again. I think the Jazz are going to be the the overall tenor of how this season is to be perceived is only going to be determined in April, May, and June. For better or worse. That but that's just where things stand right now. Yeah, well, I mean, you look at last year, we were the number one seed. We went out in the second round of the playoffs. And people no, still like talk no one about it. no one's gonna look back and say, Well, we were the number one seed and that was good enough. Yeah. That it, that's not, just not it's not what you do. It's all about rings. It's all about championships. And that that's what's going on right now. All right. Uh let's also flip over and talk about NBA All Star Weekend for a moment here. As I just mentioned, Donovan Mitchell missing uh the uh missing practice this morning out there in Cleveland. And by the way, Jeff, have you seen the pictures of the weather in Cleveland? I have not. Horrendous. Snow going sideways, windy. You wow. call that horrendous. I call that beautiful. 
you're weird. Yes, you are I am. you are from the northeast, so I also get that part of it as well. But the other day I woke up and there was snow on the ground. I was like, we haven't had snow in like a month and a half. Where is this coming from? Is there more? It is my sincere hope that when the NBA All-Star game comes here next year, yes, folks, it is coming to Salt Lake City in 2023, 30 years after the first time it came here. I'm hopeful, Jeff, that we get snow about a four or five days before the weekend and we get what we got today. Where it's sitting in the 40s and today's supposed to hit reach the 50s, I think. Bluebird Day. Beautiful weather, and we show off this lovely city we're lucky to call home. That is what I sincerely hope for. Looking at what Cleveland's got going on right now, that could be a similar situation at the Utah Jazz and Salt Lake City find themselves in when the All-Star game comes here next year. I'm hoping it's not because it looks downright miserable in the the mistake by the lake. People show up here next year, they're just like, ah, I'm never coming back here. That's the problem. That's the thing. Salt Lake City already is battling a perception thing. I am hopeful we get what we've got right now when that NBA All-Star game comes here a year from now. And that, I'm very much looking forward to it. I vaguely remember, I was still a young pup when the All-Star game came here last time. Uh, how old were you, Jeff? 93. I wasn't born. You weren't born? In, okay, so you weren't even alive when the NBA All-Star game, okay? You were young, dude. You were. I was seven years old when it came here last time. Six, seven? But I remember portions of it. I'm very much looking forward to having it back here because I fully intend to take it all in. Well, to your point, taking it yeah. all in, it's more than just the game. It's yeah. the whole city. It's the whole state. It's the, the whole weekend. atmosphere. Yeah. Like it's, you know, it's, it's everything. Even if you can't go to the game, you can still experience what having the NBA All-Star mm-hmm. game here is. Yeah, and so, okay, that's, and that kind of a nice jumping off point for where I wanted to go with this. Are you a big fan of NBA All-Star weekend? By and large. I would say no, but maybe not for the reasons people would think. Okay. What are your reasons? So my biggest Elaborate, thing, and, and, and this is how I feel about any all-star across any sport, for the most part, it's a popularity contest. There well, in is, the actual game, yes. The voting and all that stuff, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and so it's we like... We have Andrew I, Wiggins playing in this game. That should tell you everything you need to know. Yeah, I I just, because the idea is, oh, we get the best of the best. It's like, well, it's the best of the best by name, not necessarily by actual performance. And that just kind of turns me off to the whole thing. And again, whether people come at me at this or not, I don't know. But like I said, I feel this way about MLS. I feel this way about NFL. Like, it, it's it's not an exclusive thing to the NBA. And so for that reason, I'm like, Eh, but I mean, I don't know, but it's, it's, it's still cool that like the experience itself, I think is a good thing for players and for cities. Um, I just wish that fans were smarter about how they voted. Sure. And I'm with you on that, but when you have uh, international K-pop sensation as essentially a ambassador to garner votes for your franchise. I'm speaking, I don't remember what the name of the guy is from the K-pop star, but he does it for the Warriors. That's why Andrew Wiggins is in the starting lineup for this NBA All-Star game. Nothing against Andrew Wiggins, he's a fine player. But, really? Yeah. Andrew well, Wiggins? And, I mean, and then you get into the debate of people who were getting voted for who'd been out injured, uh-huh. and it's like, well, they're a great player. Well, we haven't seen them play in a month or two months. So, yee, like, I don't know. I 
I mean, you have replacements when people get injured, yep. but I would almost rather say like, okay, this person's out right now. Let's let's vote on someone who we know is going to be able. Which I guess you could also say is a counterbalance because you don't know who's going to be available. Things can you know change last minute, obviously. But I just I just don't like the popularity contest of it when some people don't get the chance who should. Um, but you know, there's not really much you can do about that. My biggest thing that I like about the NBA All-Star game is I'm a child of the 90s, in the early 2000s. The dunk contest during that era was in its heyday. People have said the dunk contest needs to be done away with, the All-Star game. I still believe that the NBA All-Star game is actually one of the better All-Star games we have in all, across all major, all major league sports. The NFL Pro Bowl is a joke, plain and simple. MLS... It's not a bad idea in theory. The, the idea that they had to bring an internationally recognized outfit and have them play against the MLS's best team, I liked that. But they've kind of gone now to more where they're going to morph into actually playing East versus West. And they get the Liga MX thing going, where they combine those two leagues, play Liga MX, MLS combined All-Star. I'm okay with that. The thing I like about the NBA is you're seeing most of the time the best athletes in this league playing together is defense optional absolutely the bigger thing that i enjoy i enjoy the saturday night stuff i still like the dunk contest i still like the three-point contest i actually last night i was not anticipating watching i didn't watch the celebrity game i saw a a picture of um i saw a video of miles um garrett the standout defensive end for the uh cleveland browns going up and blocking a shot okay cool whatever i don't care machine gun kelly does nothing for me i didn't watch the celebrity game I started seeing some tweets about the Rising Stars Challenge, and they, the thing about the NBA is they have proven one thing, if, if nothing at all, that they are actually going to be innovative with this stuff. The Rising Stars last night essentially was a bracket-style thing, where they had teams go head-to-head, and then they played for a championship. Actually kind of a cool idea. Oh, absolutely. I, I tuned I in later cool. for it. I didn't know it was... I, I, somehow I missed the, the fact that they were doing that. I tuned in later. I thought it was a really cool format. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree. I think that that's... I do think that that's super cool, and being able to see young star like that that to me is a in some ways a better part because you get to see these young stars show off and i mean we all know how good all the all-stars are like yeah we get to see them show off all at once but you know if you look at their highlights at the end of the year you can see them yeah. you know doing crazy stuff but with with the young guys they're really able to show what they can do Whereas maybe on a regular basis, they have to be a little bit more conscious of what they're doing because they're young and they can't just try some crazy thing and hope it goes off because then they get roasted. And they're playing with the Elam ending type deal and whatnot. So the NBA is trying new things with this All-Star and the All-Star game, the All-Star weekend. Uh, Before we take a break here, Jeff, and get to Sam Farnsworth on the other side, I want your picks here for tonight's events. I did this with uh, Ben Anderson yesterday. I was on with him from 10 to noon on Jake and Ben, uh, filling in for Jake Scott. So I'm going to have you pick three things, the three things that we picked yesterday. I want your slam dunk champion, I want your three-point champion, and I want you who you think is going to be the MVP of the All-Star game itself. Okay, so let me run down the people who are playing. I, you just gave me a look like, oh, I don't know. Off the top of my head, can I remember okay. who all's playing? Slam dunk contest participants this year, there are four of them. Cole Anthony from the Orlando Magic, Jalen Green from the Houston Rockets, Obi Toppin from the New York Knicks, and Juan Toscano-Anderson from the Golden State Warriors. I'll tell you my pick if you want while you think about it. I 
I don't know why. Maybe it's a recency bias. Uh-huh. I'm going to go with Jalen Green. Jalen Green, okay. Uh, ben actually picked Jalen Green, if I recall correctly. He, he He's of the opinion that Jalen Green needs to do something to kind of ignite his NBA career in a way again because he was the number two overall pick, and he's been relatively disappointing for the Houston Rockets this year. Donovan Mitchell, some of these guys who've won the dunk contest, it's helped kind of spark their career. So, yeah, I like that Jalen Green pick. I went with the Dark Horse. I'm going with Cole Anthony from the Orlando Magic. That's who I picked yesterday. Now, three-point contest. Here are the participants in this. It's a bigger field. Desmond Bain from the Memphis Grizzlies. Luke Kennard from the Los Angeles Clippers. Zach Levine from the Chicago Bulls. C.J. McCollum, now of the New Orleans Pelicans, formerly of the Portland Trailblazers. Patty Mills from the Brooklyn Nets. Carl Anthony Towns, the lone big man in the field from the Minnesota Timberwolves. Fred Van Vliet from the Toronto Raptors. Or Trey Young from the Atlanta Hawks. Interesting field here. That's tough. Um, my initial response when I heard Fred Van Fleet was, I'm like, oh my gosh, he absolutely roasted us this year. It was brutal. He's been very good um, from three. Yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick the obvious pick. I'm gonna go with Trey Young. You with Trey Young? Okay. So Ben actually went with Fred Van Fleet. He went a little off the radar, and he said, I think Fred Van Fleet's guy. I went with Desmond Bain. I think, Interesting. I think the Grizzlies shooter, I, I know it's a, a sore point for the Utah Jazz considering he was there for them to pick in that draft, but it is what it is. All right, and then the final thing is uh, give me a player from the NBA All-Star game that you think is going to be the overall MVP. Who I think deserves to be the MVP or who I think is going to actually gonna get, get it. it. Yeah. You'll be interested to know who I picked. Um, The person who I think will deserve it based on who I think will play the best and who will have enough minutes, I'd go with Jokic. Okay. Who I actually think is going to get it. I don't know. LeBron. Maybe Giannis. Okay, so you give me one. Like, who are you going with? I'll... Actually, okay, I'm going to go with Giannis. Giannis, with Giannis. okay. All right. I went with DeMar DeRozan. It's not a bad pick. It's bad Especially with how he's been playing lately. My I know, I just, goodness. we'll see. It, but it really is. It's really about how often these guys are playing in this game. Like, yeah. I feel like, like if Donovan Mitchell doesn't practice today, his status for the game, he may not even participate tomorrow. Yeah. Well, and even if he was fully healthy, people like Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, I don't think are going to get the minutes ben, to even be yeah. able to yeah. earn, say. MVP. Ben pointed it out. He's like, if they play a combined, like, what, 25, 30 minutes at the most, that'd be stunning. And they're on opposite teams this year. Like, yeah, so... It'll be interesting, but coming up on the other side, uh, we are going to be joined by Sam Farnton. They run some thoughts about him on the NBA All-Star Weekend. I know he's very much engrossed in watching the Jazz and the NBA, but wanted to get him on to talk about the Olympics, what he has uh, taken away from the games over there in Beijing. Uh, he's been covering it very closely for KSL 5 and KSL TV. We'll talk with him next. You're listening to The Saturday Show right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and the Zone Sports Network. It's a weekend! Let's go! It may be the weekend, but there are no days off for the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to the Saturday Show. Can't wait. Can't, 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 can't wait. It's all weekend, baby. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Whoa. 
Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. I'm Jake Hatch. Thank you so much for joining us here on 97.5 FM and 1280 AM. Uh, Going to be joined here momentarily by Sam Farnsworth from KSL TV. And I've got it up on our TV here in the studio. We've got some kind of like relay, uh, long track speed skating thing going on. Olympics have got a lot of new events that I apparently have just missed or they've just been doing it. I didn't pay attention to them. But let's bring in Sam now. He's been covering Beijing 20. 22 for KSL TV, doing a great job doing it. Sam, thanks for taking some time. How are you, sir? Good. Thanks for having me, Jake. Absolutely. Uh, so let's start here. Uh, this has been a very interesting winter games. Uh, the biggest thing, obviously, mm-hmm. COVID affecting it, the closed loop system that's been going on over there. Uh, what have been your overall takeaways from this game and its legacy as we almost are done with it, crazily enough? Well, I mean... When when the closing ceremonies happen tomorrow, I think you can look at these games and still call it a, a, a success. Uh, I know that it's been a little more difficult for viewers to um, kind of latch on to and, and get excited about. And I think a part of that has to do with, you know, the time difference that always makes it a little bit uh, challenging. Um, but also, as you mentioned, it's, um, you know, uh, the I don't want to get too political, but, but there's a lot of people who do have a have a stance on how uh, China is handling, um, you know, certain uh, foreign affairs and and domestic affairs over there, and and um, you know the United States government chose to not uh, support these Olympics. They do are they did want to make it clear that they're supporting the American athletes, but they didn't want to support the Olympics, so they didn't go. A lot of countries didn't send their diplomats either, um, and I think. You know, sometimes that has that little trickle-down effect to, to uh, you know, some of the viewers that they're not going to watch as well. Uh, I don't know. For me, it's still been a really fun Olympic Games to watch. There's been a lot of great stories that have emerged, just like every Olympic Games. There's always, like, uh, a name or two that you've never heard of, and you get to know them by watching them compete in the Games, mm-hmm. and suddenly they become a household name, an American athletic hero, you know, uh, and it's just been so for me, it's been a lot of fun to watch to to see these stories emerge, get to know these athletes through their their performances. And uh, overall, I think it's been a success. The United States is exceeding their their average total medal count for Winter Olympics. So it's it's been fun for me. I wanted to kind of get your thought on this. Nathan Chun, I think he's kind of the face of this Olympics because of he's the greatest figure skater in the world. Uh, Pyeongchang mm-hmm. in 2018 was a massive disappointment by his own admission and his own standard, but he goes out there and just absolutely dominates the field, and the best part is he's a Salt Lake City native. I, I think that that's one of the really, really cool local but also national stories of this Games. Oh, yeah, for sure. And and when the Olympics are, when you know, when they come to an end, he's going to be one of those faces that uh, we're going to remember the 2022 Games by. Um, it, yeah, he just looked so much more relaxed. He he looked like he was having a lot more fun in these games. The first time he skated in these games was the team event uh, when he had a short program for the team event. And and you could just tell that uh, when he was done with that skate that he was just there to do what he does, which is dominate. You know, mm-hmm. the, I don't think he's lost a competition or maybe one or two since 2018 in all the international competitions that he's been in. And I mean, it was clear with the scores that he was bringing in when, when they had the men's individual event, he, he had the record 
uh, score for a short program, the highest score ever given um, from his routine. And then he just blew – I mean, when he won the gold medal after after his second routine, I know there's not a lot of fans uh, that are allowed to uh, attend these things. They're all locals or athletes. Mm-hmm. But when they announced his final score, there was a gasp in the arena because they were just blown away at how high that score was. But, yeah, Nathan Chen, he's just – so good at his sport, and he's been a great uh, ambassador and face for Utah in these games. But um, for, you know, and for me, there's been just there's been a lot of great. Uh, by our count at, at KSL TV, we've got 83 athletes that are either from Utah, uh, live in Utah currently, or like went to college in Utah. And so, there, our state definitely has great representation in these games, and we've had multiple medals coming home, and, and a lot of great stories. And that's the thing about this is I think Utah, just because we are one of the winter sports capitals of the world, and that obviously was uh, jump-started by the 2002 Winter Games out here, and we've kept the facilities and a lot of athletes are here training. And we have a lot of homegrown talent, but a lot of talent that moves here to train, and that, I think, mm-hmm. lends itself to the fact that Salt Lake City maybe is more, I, I guess, literate when it comes to the Winter Games mm-hmm. than most other markets around the country. Yeah, they're definitely more aware, right? And and it and it all has to do with having the games here in 2002. When once the games were announced for 2002 to be in Salt Lake, they started to build the infrastructure needed mm-hmm. for the training, and and athletes started to come here. I know the U.S. ski team had been based in Park City for a long time prior to that, but since then you've got you know speed skating's constantly out here. That the the bobsled and and luge track up there at the Utah Olympic Park is one of the preferred destinations for training. Um, for not just American sledders, but international sledders as well. Um, you know, it's everything is here to, uh, for lack of a better term, breed local uh, winter sports talent, and and we're seeing it. And um, so one of, one of my and you talk about uh, athletes that have transplanted here as a result of that too mm-hmm. uh, and some of these athletes are, are coming kind of full circle and one of my favorite stories of these games is alex hall he won the gold yeah. medal for the free ski slope style event that's a kid whose dad grew up in salt lake city his dad skied all the time with his buddies at alta in the 70s and uh, alex was born in alaska when he was one years old they lived in in europe his mom's from italy um, and he grew up in Europe until he was about 14, 15 when he moved back to Park City to start training at a higher level and go to the winter sports school that they have there. And there's a lot of stories that are like that, that uh, kids who've moved here when they were, you know, in elementary school or, or middle school to start training. And then they never leave because they've kind of adopted Utah as their as their home. And so um, it's just been so much fun. And then there's kids like uh, Nick Page who competed in the Moguls event. Uh, he he grew up watching these people coming to Utah and training, and he's like, I want to do that someday. And so he got into the program and made it to the Olympics, finished fifth in his program. Uh, Colby Stevenson's another guy, uh, one of the freestyle skiers who, who grew up in Park City, same type of story. Uh, Bella Wright out of Salt Lake City uh, learned how to ski at Snowbird. And then there she is with uh, Michaela Schifrin in the downhill events at, at, at the Olympic Games. You know, So there's story after story. It's just and so it really makes it a lot more fun when you start to, to recognize the connections that we have to the games. I also wanted to ask you about Erin Jackson because her story is just absolutely awesome. She put out the video, or it was it tweeted out that uh, less than six years ago she got on ice. Mm-hmm. And she'd been a figure skater, I guess, at some point in her life before. She was an inline <laughs> skater, but you see her get out there on those speed skates and she's like wobbling around. But 
now she's a gold medalist in 500 meters. It's just, it's it, yet again, just one of those stories that makes you say, okay, this is really, really cool. That's Yeah, it's amazing, right? That video is like, what is she doing on skates? <laughs> and then here she is getting an Olympic medal, you know, and, and the story behind it too, with Brittany Bow giving up a spot to allow her mm-hmm. uh, yeah. to, to be in the games. That's just, what a good story, you know? And, and so Brittany Bow's got kind of a, a tie into that Olympic medal as well. And then Bo gets her own uh, bronze medal at the games as well. Um, yeah, that, that is, that's just one of the great stories of these games. Uh, you know, um, uh, you've got uh, uh, Keisha Love too, who mm-hmm. went to um, Harriman High School. Harriman High School, yeah. Yeah, she was a, she was a gymnast, a level 10 gym, gymnast growing up. And someone convinced her, hey, you should try track. And she, her first track race in high school, she won. Her second race, I think she broke the state record in the 100, and she never lost a race in high school, goes on to UNLV to run track. At UNLV, one of her coaches is like, you know what? You should try pushing the bobsled. She's like, you're crazy, but she goes and does it. And the first race she's in, she she wins, you know, with her driver. And next thing you know, she's at the Olympic Games too. So <laughs> it's pretty cool how they find the talent um, and, and how it emerges for these things. All right, Sam, last thing before we let you go here. Obviously, there's a lot of talk out there that Salt Lake City is going to pursue either the 2030 or 2034 games. Do you have a preference on which one they pursue, and what have you heard with regards to the future of the Olympic Games coming back to Salt Lake City? Uh, as far as preference goes, uh, I think the sooner the better. I think 2030 would be fantastic. I think, I think that's what Salt Lake would prefer as well is the uh, the sooner bid. Uh, I mean, we're we're ready for all intents and purposes. There mm-hmm. might just need to be a few updates made to some of the infrastructure and then obviously just planning. But Utah is more ready than a lot of other places to host an Olympic Games. Um, so why not give them the chance again? Uh, as far as what I've heard, you know, there's not a lot of um, official, you know, it's definitely going to come to Salt Lake or, or they're going to make an announcement at this day. I haven't heard any of that yet. But what I do know is that um, those who are behind it, like, um, you know, Mitt Romney's been a big supporter, again, of getting the Olympics back. He, uh, along with other um, uh, U.S. you know, ski officials, U- U.S. sledding officials, the, everyone I've spoken with, they say they want it here. They definitely want it to come back to Utah. And if you've got that much support, of the people who want it here, I, I just don't see how the International Olympic Committee would, would say, no, nope, you're not going to get it again. So I think it's more of a matter of if it's going to be 30 or 34. Which one? It seems like it seems like it's a surefire shot to uh, come back to Salt Lake. But I, I don't have any like official uh, word on it, but it just seems like all the dominoes are lined up for it to come back. Uh, I very fondly remember the O two 2 games. I'm sure you do as well, and I'd mm-hmm. love nothing more than to have them back. And at this point, you and I, we both have kids that weren't alive when this was going on. It'd be cool to have them right. experience it as well. So only time no will kid. tell, right? Yep, yep. We'll just have to be patient. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> hopefully well, soon, though. Hopefully soon. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Sam, keep up the good work. We'll continue to watch you on KSL TV. We'll have you back on air, I'm sure, really, really soon. I think you're filling in this coming week uh, with Jake and Ben, right, at some point? Yep. Yeah, I'll be on. I'll be on with. Uh, is it Ben who's in town? I ben, can't remember. Ben's in town. In. Jake's yeah. out. Yeah, so be with Ben. Yep. Yeah. So I'll be on with Ben uh, later this week for sure. Yep. Very, very cool. We'll look forward to that. But thanks again for taking some time to join us here on the Saturday show. All right. Thanks, Jake. 
All right, there you go. Sam Farns with KSL TV. A big thank you to him for taking some time. And like I said, they've done absolutely incredible coverage of all things Beijing. And it's not been an easy game to cover because of the restrictions put on by the Chinese government, obviously COVID-19 causing all kinds of things. But the team over there at KSL has been absolutely phenomenal. I... And I'm with Sam. Early on in the interview, I was not as excited for this game just because of the geopolitical stuff and everything. But the, the longer it's gone on, the more and more I've got into it. I just I, I can't get past. I'm a I'm an Olympics junkie. I think it's awesome. I also like the Olympics, but shockingly enough, because I have a terrible memory, I do remember the Salt Lake games. And because my I have a lot of family mm-hmm. here, I was here. I was here with my grandparents. Oh, cool. All both, right. both are who are, are, are no longer with us. And so I, I look back at that and I think about being there for that and being with my grandparents. And it's it's nothing's ever going to top that. Sure. Um, you know, even if, you know, the Olympics are here in 2030 or 2034, like it's it would be pretty hard to top that kind of memory with with my grandparents it was a really really cool time i've got very fond memories of, of wandering around salt lake city with my parents and my siblings and whatnot now that i've got kids my, my kids have been watching so like, that's pretty cool i'm like they're gonna come here they're like my daughter's like really i'm like yeah at some point so it, it should be really cool my daughter might be in high school by the time they get here which is terrifying thought for me but don't don't think about your <laughs> don't think about your daughter in high school just don't do it <laughs> i try to avoid it at all costs but all right coming up next we'll get technical fouls round out the first hour of the show plenty more to come though we got five minutes of in the 11 o'clock hour also andy bailey from bleacher report he'll be joining us uh, scheduled to join us at 11 30 as well so plenty more to come right here on the saturday show if you're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet that's a technical foul if you switch the radio to some modern music show that's a technical foul if you touch the thermostat you'll get hit with a bat cause that's a technical foul you will feel my wrath that's a technical foul personal foul 69 office he was giving them the business a technical foul Welcome back to the Saturday show. As you just heard, it is time for technical fouls on today's show. And uh, we talked Olympics in the last segment with Sam Farnsworth from KSL 5 TV. And uh, I want to start with one that I still just cannot get over. And that is that uh, the whole Russian figure skating deal with, uh, man, okay, I don't want to say karma played a role in this, but I feel like karma did play a role in this. Let me be very clear about this. Now, Jeff, I want you to weigh in on this, but we all know about everything that went on with this. Uh, Valieva is the young 15-year-old who uh, tested positive uh, somewhere around two months ago for a performance-enhancing drug. Uh, Apparently, it was actually a cocktail. She's been taking two other drugs. Uh, There's been rumors that it's related to a heart condition she's had or a family member. You know what? Regardless, she tested positive. According to how the anti-doping rules work in the Olympics, you test positive, you are ineligible to compete. Well, she skated in that team event, which is still going to be in question with regards to if they're going to get their gold medals for that for months to come now. She also skated after a hastily put together uh, trial by the Court of Arbitration for Sport that for some reason said she was good to compete. I cannot believe that a, a... an athlete who tested positive uh, for a performance-enhancing drug was allowed to compete on the Olympic stage. I'm not alone in this, but man, I got a technical foul on the Court of Arbitration for Sport. I got a technical foul on the Russian Olympic Committee and letting this all go on. 
But Valieva ends up falling multiple times. And then after that, her entourage is like just berating her as she comes off the ice. This is a bad situation all the way around. Yeah, it's a mess for a lot of reasons. And um, I don't know if you've seen this, but there have also been some racial implications as far as her being allowed to compete with certain others not and so it's just kind Shikari of Shikari Richardson is the one that most people have been pointing to she tested positive for marijuana was unable to compete in the Tokyo Olympics where she's actually considered one of if not the best 100 meter sprinter in the world she tested positive for marijuana which is not considered a PED and she's ineligible to compete in the Olympics meanwhile this 15 year old is allowed after having a PED in her system it's it's a mess, and it's just, again, things that, because like you said, with how this is going to be drawn out as far as getting, not getting the medal, whatever, mm-hmm. I mean, this sounds, this maybe sounds really mean because people work really hard to get to the Olympics, but when in doubt, leave her out, figure it out. If for some reason the thing that she's taking she needs for her heart, like if, if that all comes out, you figure that out. You don't. Yeah. You figure that out later. Like, you, you don't let that happen and then say, oh, we'll deal with this later. No, you, you deal with it first. Yeah, and see, CAS, which is the Court of Arbitration for Sports moniker, it ruled that she had protected status as a 15-year-old as a minor and would suffer, quote, irre- irreparable harm if she was not allowed to perform. Well, here's the thing. Your sport suffered irreparable harm by yeah, allowing her to that's perform. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like, it, it's got all the legitimacy of professional wrestling. I mean, trust me, I'm a big fan of the WWE. Let me be clear about that. I just I enjoy it. But it's, it's a farce. Well, and the other thing, and maybe this is, again, maybe this is really bad for me to say. I can't pretend to know what it's like to what it takes to be an Olympic athlete. Me and you both, But the fact that she is so young, it's not like this is her last shot, and if she doesn't get to do it, then she never gets to do it again. That's the thing, though. Russian figure skaters have a very, very strong history of actually lasting for only one game. It's a system that chews up and spits out to the athletes. The silver medal is... I say that's a technical foul. I don't know what's Yeah, it is. And trust me, so I'm just pulling this up right here. I, I actually have some background on this. Let me just pull this up here. So Anna Shurkabakova, who won uh, the gold medal, she didn't have much of a uh, going on. Camila Valieva, who's been, who we've been talking about, uh, is obviously in this. But, okay, here we go. Alexander Trusova, who fa- landed five quads of her own, finished four points back to win the silver medal, wasn't pleased with the judge, especially given the overwhelming difficulty of her program, but then in tears this 17-year-old Trusova and you'll find this interesting, Jeff, I think, and everybody will, she cried out ringside after learning of her silver medal, quote, I hate this sport, I won't go on the ice again, unquote. I did see that. Well, ugh. I have a lot of feelings that I'm not going to get into uh-huh. about how coaches or parents push either their kids or their their athletes, you know, mm-hmm. whatever the relationship is, to the point that that's how they feel because unfortunately there are coaches and there are parents who do it for their own self-interest. Yeah, they're, li- they're living own, through or, their yeah, they're yeah. living vicariously through their child. Mm-hmm. And so to me and it's maybe that's not the case with with this person, but to me if they say something like that, it means that they have just been pushed past the point of brutality where it's literally about pleasing so-and-so and that they find no... And, and it's not like doing hard things doesn't make you feel good. Believe me, producing jazz games is 
dang hard. Mm-hmm. I have some. I've had some very very stressful games this year. But the end, I can still say I feel accomplished. I feel good. You know, it's it's still fun even if it's extremely stressful. If you get you know, if I got done doing a jazz game and said I never want to do a jazz game again, then that says something. And maybe it's a bad comparison. Maybe I'm just completely missing the mark here with my comparison. But if she gets off and she's like, I never want to do this again, then clearly there's something wrong there in there's something wrong there. Yeah, well, the coach who's in question here, she was, like, like berating. You could see on camera. I remember the coach's name. I don't have it in front of me here, so I apologize. But she was, like, telling Valieva, the 15-year-old, well, why did you, like, give up? Like, there's a lot going on. The silver medalist from the 2018 games is also Russian. Had tweeted at uh, this uh, Valieva girl, Camila Valieva, essentially telling her, "Hey, you you made it through. Now you can move on with your life." It, there's just a lot, lot, a lot that needs to be looked at, and this just goes to a bigger issue with Russia. Uh, well, they have been now six straight Olympic Games where they have been under the microscope and not able to compete under the banner of Russia due to doping allegations. Actually, not six of them, but they've had doping allegations in six straight Olympic Games. At some point, I'd like to see uh, the Olympic Committee, the International Olympic Committee, and everybody just stand up and say, we're not putting up with this anymore. Shut Russia out. But I digress. So there you go. That's technical fouls for this week. Yep, to, technical to, fouls indeed. Way to go, Russia. All right, coming up next. Uh, we, Put that on a bumper sticker. Way to go, Russia. <laughs> I'm not putting on a bumper sticker. No, thank you. Might make me some money, though. That's a good idea. That's actually a good idea, Jeff. Look at that. Copyright. Uh, <laughs> copyright. There you go. All right, coming up next, we'll get to five minutes of at 1130. Uh, we will have Andy Larson. Uh, not Andy Larson. Andy Larson works at the Salt Lake Tribune. Andy Bailey from Bleacher Report joining us to talk NBA. Both of them very uh, bright minds when it comes to the jazz and the NBA. We'll have Andy Bailey on at 11.30. More in a moment. This is the Saturday Show presented by our friends at Mountainland Supply right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and the Zone Sports Network.